Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. This is Jonathan Jordan, and I'm in the studio today with uh, Brendan Durone from E4 Insurance Services. And uh, Brendan and I know each other from around town here from working with uh, different clients and different organizations that we've been a part of. And I, I wanted to invite him in here today and then get an opportunity to talk a little bit about the insurance and annuity business and some changes and things that have happened over the you know last you know months and year and also kind of some forecasting for moving into uh, to 2021 with the election coming up and what some potential changes are. So Brendan, I want to thank you for coming in today and you know for our listeners out there, give you a chance to Tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you got uh, how you got here with E4. Well, uh, thank you, Jonathan. Glad to be here. And uh, I like you know a lot of people uh, didn't you know plan on or originally uh, have strong desire to go into insurance, but uh, it has uh, it has called me. And I am the uh, chief distribution officer at uh, E4 Insurance Services, so I'm in charge of of most of our wholesalers in you know working with. Uh, you know, financial advisors, and we provide um, the back office, you know, expertise on the insurance side. Um, been in the business for a little over uh, 20 years and truly uh, see, a, see a need and have a passion for insurance that, uh, you know, I, I never thought I would have had. So tw- 20 years in the business, that's like, that's a, that's a long time nowadays for people to kind of stay in one line of work, but did you, did you get into it right out of school? I actually started uh, in school. I uh, worked, so I went to UW, uh, finance degree, worked at a broker-dealer, and started, uh, you know, shortly after working at the broker-dealer, transitioned over to their insurance side because there was a need and an opportunity, and it do all worked you, do out. Do you remember what your title was at that first job? Regional vice president. Sweet. So you, but you told them, you said, someday I'm going to be the chief distribution officer, and I like that, that CDO. It's like... I, I like I like when you can get that, that to that next level. Twenty years later, um, this insurance is something that that I it was the most negative experience that I had ever had because um, I got married twenty years ago. Um, I'll be coming up on twenty years here, and I remember you know we had a child young, and one of the first things that my name was referred to somebody from uh, I think it was probably. Um, Northwestern Mutual or Primerica, it could have been anything, and they wanted to come to my house and talk to me about my need for life insurance. And at the end of the meeting, um, you know, when he offered me the opportunity to purchase a term policy, I said I wanted to think about it. And he said, well, he looked over at my wife and and then my son, and he said, I, I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable leaving here tonight oh my. knowing <laughs> that if you stepped out and got hit by a car – that you, you, you could die and your wife and your child would be impoverished essentially. Like it would be over. And I just kind of looked at him and I looked over and I was like, she's beautiful and that's a cute kid. I'm sure they're going to land on their feet somewhere, but I said, I'd think about it so you can leave now. And it, and it's ironic because, you know, through uh, just where my passions were, I ended up uh, getting in this business as a financial advisor and then and then now a certified financial planner. But I, I have sold and placed insurance policies, annuities, and long-term care policies that I think are absolutely essential for clients. <clears throat> I just make sure to really let them think about it and not tell them, I would just feel terrible if I walked out of your house. So Yeah, there's a, <clears throat> there's a couple adages in the uh, insur- insurance world, one being that uh, you know insurance is sold and not bought. And 
there are some people that take that, you know, a little too much to heart. But uh, one that I like better is that, uh, you know, people buy insurance for, for two reasons. And, you know, A, they love somebody or B, they owe somebody. And <laughs> I can tell you that uh, that boils down to, you know, almost all of the policies that, you know, we put in people's hands is, is for one of those two reasons. Yeah. And uh, it, we, we were talking, you know, you and I were talking a little bit too about some of the things with the upcoming election and we could potentially see a, a new regime and a new party in power and what that could mean for uh, for tax laws and especially for estate planning. You know, one of the things that we use here at Walkner Condon and I use with clients is insurance as a means of, of wealth transfer and being able to uh, protect assets and make sure to, to protect, you know, the distribution of those assets of ha- in a tax efficient manner. Um, so I know that there's going to be, you know, a lot of concern and, and, and what I always try and tell my clients, uh, Brendan, is that it's never going to stop every four years. There's going to be another election every two years. There's going to be a midterm and there's going to be changing laws and changing rules. Um, one of the sacred cows I think that's out there is the, is the income tax and is, you know, state tax, uh, you know, changes, but the way that life insurance is income tax free, I don't think is going to ever change. I think that's one of the sacred cows, but it could. I mean, it, it definitely could. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, belong to, uh, NAFA, which is the national, you know, national association of insurance and financial advisors. And, you know, one of their, uh, big, you know, big efforts is, you know, is lobbying to make sure that, you know, Americans can, you know, retain, you know, that tax-free benefit, you know, of life insurance. Um, this is, this is anecdotal, but, you know, I've heard that, uh, you know, something like 85 or 90% of the uh, <clears throat> legislators in office, you know, own life insurance and use it as a wealth transfer vehicle. So for their own best interest, uh, they'd like to keep that there. And to me, that, that probably gives me more peace of mind than, than anything else. Cause if I know legislatures, legislators, they, uh, you know, or people in general, they tend, tend to work in their own self-interest. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that I think that we can't agree on many things politically nowadays, but most people can agree on is that all politicians are generally <laughs> looking out for, for their own best interest. Um, you know, and that's one of the, the, uh, the, the things I, you know, look at from that standpoint of, of, of risk transfer, why would the government want people to buy insurance? You know, the state governments with long-term care, they were able to partner up through partnership programs with states where people that had the means to buy long-term care insurance would go buy insurance and they would protect the assets up to the dollar amount that they used for for benefit from their policy. I know Wisconsin has it. And it's a nice way to be able to protect assets and then still be able to qualify for Medicaid down the road and, uh, and, and not have to impoverish yourself. The reason they do this is because there's a risk transfer because they know that if you don't buy insurance and if everybody stopped by insurance, there would be no payouts and policies. And where would all the risk be held? The state would have it and everybody would become. You know. and, and then the federal government. And so at the end of the day, that's where they're looking at it saying is we, by creating these pools of insurance and they, that's why they have actuaries that calculate out the risks. And in the things that we have, most things that we have risk on in life, you're able to buy insurance for. And whether it's driving a car or, you know, you have a house and you were, you were telling me you had a little, little event today at, at the house and kind of I said, Hey, how was your day? And you're like, well, I had a little water day, huh? Yeah. Had a, had a, uh, washer leak and, uh, we'll find out if everything's okay, but, uh, I'm a believer in insurance and 
I've got a homeowner's policy, and if it uh, if it comes to it, that's why it's there. Yeah, and I, and and recently I had to go through this. My um, my daughter got her license, so I called up the insurance company and said, "Hey, I've got to add her on." Then I purchased a, a car for her. Um, I actually leased it because I thought that was a better deal because I know she's not going to be driving a ton, you know, and she only has a few miles to school and back. And and I knew that uh, that had safer um, features on it, and I just like that. You know, my son drives like Clint's old car. <clears throat> it's like a 2007. It's it's my son. My daughter, I wanted the safety features and all those sort of things because, well, she's my daughter. So I, I understand my daughter's 12, and I'm hoping they have automated driving down uh, at that or autonomous driving down by that yeah. point. Well, I mean, she, she's, she's actually a great driver. Um, and, and so was my wife. Um, and I emphasize the was because, you know, I had also just renewed my lease. So now we had two new vehicles, um, in, in the garage and then she had the 2012 Honda Odyssey with 160,000 miles on it. Cause it's been a total great family car. And she said, Oh, I can make it two more years with that thing. And I remember checking on the insurance policies and I'm like, wow, I'm actually paying more for the Odyssey than for the two new cars because it didn't have all the safety features and still carried the comprehensive. Thank gosh I kept that because I think she was getting sick of looking at those new cars because about a month later <laughs> she she got hit and uh, I went out, drove out to the accident scene and I said, well, that's totaled. But I was really happy that I had insurance. And in fact, through that whole process, it, it took care of it. You know, that's the risk on a car, right? Um, you know, a lot of stuff we deal with here, um, you know, has to do with, with, you know, your financial future and your life and things that are much bigger than, you know, the, the $10,000 claim that would be on a, on a car like that. And th- this, this could be four years worth of your income and maybe some kids college if you were, you know, young and to come across a, an illness and not have enough wealth built up to be able to take care of your spouse. And that could go either direction, you know, with the, the way things are nowadays, you have dual incomes and, you know, child care costs, things like that. But also, you know, even into your 40s and 50s, maybe you didn't save up a lot because you were paying for things for your kids and now they're grown, but you don't have enough for retirement. And if something were to happen to your spouse, you can't work and catch up and ever be able to do that. So, so there's such a need for insurance. And then also on the on the annuity side is, is it appropriate to protect some income from the money that you have saved up that if everything were to go haywire and markets were to drop right about when you were retiring or needing to draw income off of that, that you could be at risk of running out. So, yeah, no, I mean, they are great transfer tools. Uh, my mother has an annuity and, and feels much more at peace knowing that she has, you know, got that protection and guaranteed income coming in, you know, regardless of what happens with the market. And she's also able to take the, you know, appropriate level of risk for the rest of her assets and, and not worry because she has that, you know, that guaranteed income. And then on the, you know, life insurance side, as you mentioned before, I'm a, I'm a big fan of insuring your insurability. So, you know, it ultimately comes down to, to budget, but you can get a lot more benefit on a 10-year policy than you can on a 20 or 30. And I'd rather make sure that you've, you've got the appropriate coverage than the, you know, length of coverage or put it into a whole life policy or a, you know, a UL policy when you don't have that, you know, that coverage first and foremost. Yeah. And, you know, and I want to say that one of the things I appreciate about, um, you know, independent um, insurance agents and that handle things the way that you do is that 
it's not about selling everybody insurance. It's about appropriately placing policies where people have a risk and an insurable risk. And that's where as fiduciaries uh, here at our firm, and you know, we now have uh, four certified financial planners on our staff and, uh, and all of us are fiduciaries in every relationship. We, we refer out our business that we are, a- are asking people to consider doing in a recommendation for insurance, whether it's um, for, for life insurance or long-term care, and in certain cases, uh, annuities that, would, you know, that we wouldn't be able to hold here. There are, uh, there are several types of annuities that we're still able to do here as fiduciaries, but, but there are some that we, we know that we can't uh, do here. But if we think that it's the right financial move for clients to make, I appreciate the ability to come to, to you and other, other advisors or other agents out there because ultimately making the right financial move, you want to have trusted people around you. And as you said earlier, you know, the, the old adage is that insurance is sold. But I really think that if you handle it the right way, You'll, you'll write a lot of policies because a lot of people need it if you're placing the insurance in the appropriate spots. Um, very useful tool. Oh, absolutely. And so that's one of the things just for our listeners to understand is that's, that's part of our process here in every financial plan. Uh, you know, we have to ask about your insurance coverages or discuss what your risks are because our recommendations are going to be made off of, you know, where we feel like uh, the risk transfers need to, to be considered. And that, that, to me, moving forward in the world that we live in right now where there's so much fear and emotion behind our money that sometimes making the move that has you be able to sleep at night and, and taking that risk transfer is the appropriate thing, even if um, you know our advice was that we think that you're self-insured or we think that you're going to be okay um, we, we never know. And, and if you can't sleep at night, that's, there are, there are generally going to be, uh, vehicles or, or insurance products out there that can help you with that. Um, they have varying different costs and, um, and features and benefits to them. And those are one of the things that we always try and analyze with our clients. And, and I know you probably in those meetings when you have them too, you want them to understand the features and benefits of what their policy has. Yeah. One thing that we do a lot of is, a. Uh you know, just an existing policy review. If they, you know, your client has, you know, has an existing policy and they just want to know, you know, is it good? Is it appropriate? Is it going to accomplish the goals that they want? You know, we have a, a program, we call it our AIM program, you know, analyze, improve, maximize that we are able to, you know, review, we get enforce uh, illustrations and, you know, we'll compare that to, you know, what your objectives are. And if, you know, if it satisfies that, that's great. You can sleep well at night knowing that the policy you have still fits your need. And if it, uh, if it doesn't, then we can talk about options. Yeah. And, and we, you say that the sleep well at night factor, right? That ultimately when people go to sleep, they generally forget what they have and they say, Oh, I, I think I bought this policy back in the day. And that's why doing a policy review is always good. And things change in this business and new, newer products come out and sometimes it's appropriate to to either upgrade or change your policy based on your life uh, changes. And, and we're able to do that in some policies through what's called a 1035 exchange. If there's cash value to the policy and like say a universal life or variable life policy or even a whole life, I guess, has cash value. So you're, we're able to, to find something that may or may not be better. So if you bought a policy back in the day and you go, I don't know if that was the best thing for me. Um, there are some companies and firms out there, you know, that show rename nameless that I would say that, that they, they are oversold um, to people, especially on the whole life side when you're younger. 
Um, we're, we're big proponents here of keeping your, your death benefits higher and your premiums lower so that you can do other things with your dollars. Um, they'll tell you that this is the best thing since sliced bread. And it's one of those, we agree to disagree. And I don't, you know, I don't, don't say that they are doing anything that is, uh, that is, you know, illegal. It's just sometimes it's not considering your entire financial picture. And that's why, you know, we kind of come from our angle and say, we won't do the insurance. We'll just consult on it and tell you if we think that's a good idea. Cause I, I love whole life policies for wealth transfer. And I mean, universal life, those, those, you know, ones that you're going to have, you know, ownership through, um, you know, the, the contracts are going to be guaranteed if you make the premium payments. You're not going to, you know, at 60, say, well, your 30 years is up. So Yeah, no, as, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, especially when you're saying wealth transfer tool, it as an asset class and the fact that it is uncorrelated with the market and you know, you know, the, the death benefit or return that's going to go to your next generation, it, you know, really is, is helpful. I, you know, I find a lot of clients like to have a policy just so they have permission to spend the rest of their assets with impunity. They know they want to leave something to the kids. Now when they have a, you know, they have a policy, you know, half million, million, whatever the number is, they know that their kids are going to get X amount and, and they can spend the rest of their money without, you know, concern. Yeah. Well, the way that I like to present it is that you say it's a nice hedge is, you know, the, if you invest your money in the stock market in a historical um, performance of stock market is not guaranteed. But if you were to look back and say, how has it performed? The longer you live, the better investment rate of return that you're going to have. And when you buy an insurance policy, the shorter you live, the better the investment rate of return you're going to have. But if you could know that the way the policy is written and if the premium payments were made that at age 95, that you would have a, you know, an, a certain percentage, say it was 4.2% tax-free, was what the internal rate of return was at age 95 and you knew that, you know, you were protected at any point throughout that, would you be okay with that? Because there's, there's always a cost. Anytime that you want to take risk off the table or minimize your risk, there's always a cost associated with it. There's no free, you're, I'm, I'm de-risking. A risk-off move or transferring risk is going to have a cost. Sometimes that cost is not actual dollars that you're paying in a payment. A great example of that is the is the long term care policies that are that are you know utilized more and more nowadays for people that have some cash you know and taxable accounts and say well I want to leverage this I want to protect my long term care uh, insurance and so I'll buy a, a single premium policy that has a accelerated uh, you know death benefit and life light long term care benefit associated with it you know if you put that single premium in for many of the policies if you never use it you'll get that money back so if you paid $30,000 today and 20 years from now, you know, you're going to get the 30,000 plus probably a little bit of death benefit on their back. Not a lot of return, but what was the cost? You gave a lot of opportunity. Cost. <laughs> exactly. That's your cost. But if any point along the way, you would have had that coverage to have the amount of money that you needed. It's a great leverage for your money. And, and so that's where, you know, I think sometimes we get caught up in the, well, I, I want to have this for, for very little, or it's so expensive. Well, it's going to be expensive, but you know what's even more expensive is if you have the un, you know, unexpected event in your life that you didn't have the insurance for, and it doesn't have to be sudden death. It could be sudden sickness, and now you're uninsurable. I think history would probably prove that the number one day that people say they want to have insurance is the day after they got bad news that they're uninsurable. They say, I should have bought insurance. So insurance is something you want to buy before the event happens. So 
Because you're not going out looking for homeowner's insurance today after nope. the fact that the water came out. Right? It was a, you already had it. I had it, and uh, yep. I'm glad I did. I hope I don't have to use it. But, you know, again, if I do, that's why it's there. And, you know, your, your number one day that people call, I mean, there are multiple times where I've, you know, we presented, an, you know, an option. Somebody decided, you know, against it. And now all of a sudden they reach out of the blue my first question is, you know, have you had any, you know, health, health scares or changes? And often that is the case. Well, and what I hear a lot is, well, no, not really, but there's this one thing that they thought might be such and such and so and so. And there's some tests and it's at that point, I'm already like, okay, <clears throat> we're going to, we're going to try and go through underwriting here or get you with somebody, but we may be too late. And, and that's, you know, that's the scary time because I, I know my clients, uh, we work together. We talk about these things all the time, the risk of, of other, uh, you know, life events or things that can happen that don't necessarily cause death, but, but, you know, are things that are now preclude you from being able to get insured. And especially when it comes to, uh, like your long-term care, um, and life insurance, those are the two kind of major ones, you know, annuities, you know, you don't run into that with, um, based on, in fact, in those situations, they probably, you know, if you have something that's great because they're like, Hey, you, you know, I would tell you, you probably don't need it uh, to have, if you're only pulling 5% out a year, you're probably not going to make it to the end of that policy. So um, well, protection they, isn't as big an issue. Yeah. They do have medically underwritten SPIAs so that if you, if you have had, you know, adverse health effect, you can, uh, you know, you can maybe get a little higher payout, but, yeah. but it, back to my point before, and SPIA, SPIA is, is single premium immediate annuity. Yep. So you're taking money immediately out of it, but but you're guaranteed to not run out of your money. So it's protecting your principal and then some income stream after that. Yes. And as I was saying before to my former part, you know, I'm again, a big fan of ensuring your insurability, making sure that you can get coverage, you know, while and before you have, you know, a, a health change or, or life event. And with most of uh, the policies we have, those are fully convertible so that if something does happen, you can make that a permanent policy, you know, and, and continue to protect yourself and your legacy. So before, before we wrap up here, you know, we're going to be doing a podcast, um, you know, later this week before the election. And we're going to be talking about, you know, we don't take political sides here, although everybody in our office has their own opinions and beliefs and when it comes to politics and desires, but we have such a respect for each other around here, but we do like to talk about, you know, the, the things that can affect our clients. And so we always give our predictions sure to go wrong. So I'm interested, you know, I appreciate you coming in as a guest today, but you know, we're one week away today from, uh, from us taping this and, and the election's coming up. So what, what's your, what's your election prediction sure to go wrong or maybe right. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I was wrong on my prediction last time, which gives me, uh, you know, a lot of trepidation and making a prediction this time, but I would, uh, if I were a betting man, put money on Biden. Okay. So you're following the Vegas line because Vegas, that's where the Vegas money is right now. And that's uh, definitely where any of the, the mainstream media is going to say where the polls are. So I, the way that I, I, I would give it and uh, you know, I'll expound more on it, you know, later um, when we, when we do our, our podcast later this week, but I'm, I'm convinced that uh, this election, because of all the mail in ballots and because of everything and how they're going to be able to count it, um, you know, the day of and, and the issues that they're going to have with even counting, you know, with COVID restrictions in some places that are greater than others is that we're not going to know the night of. 
and there's going to be um, a lot of attorneys that make a lot of money off of this. And we could see, you know, several weeks and, and into maybe even December, like we did back in 2000, where, you know, they're trying to fight it out in the courts. But those are always our predictions sure to go wrong. I, I don't know, uh, you know, who's going to win at this point, because I just can't, it, from my perspective, I can't underestimate uh, the fact that, that four years ago, I thought there was absolutely no way that Donald Trump would win. But and, and the, the polls didn't either. So it's kind of going into this one, I wonder it, when I see something going so far even more in the other direction, I wonder if behind the scenes that that groundswell of, of voters that are not being polled and sampled in America that came out in 2016, if there's going to be more of those. So it'll be interesting to know. But one thing that we do know is this, is that we're going to continue to move on as a country. We're going to continue to have financial needs and things that we want to grow and protect and as you said earlier, you know, we want to either protect ourselves or maybe we have a debt, right? So it's there's something, a reason why we're doing it. And I know every year we, we like to, to have different topics, and I've really appreciated you coming in today and chatting with our listeners and getting to uh, to share a little bit about, you know, what's going on out there and, and what are some of the things that we can be thinking about to make great financial moves. So, again, we want to thank you guys for listening today to Give Me Some Truth Again, this is Jonathan, and uh, we're going to be back soon with some more content for you. So have a wonderful day. This is our attempt at a short, plain English disclosure. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Conner Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. All matters that we discuss during the show are for informational purposes only. Look, we weren't attorneys. We aren't tax accountants. Um, if you want to rely on that sort of advice, go to your CPA, go to your estate planning attorney, uh, go to that trusted investment professional. If you're looking at global financial advice, sit down, meet with an advisor, consider your whole financial situation, and then decide whether or not that fits your own situation. We all know that past performance is not indicative of future results. We know that any sort of performance that we talk about, any sort of charts, graphs, anything else that we bring up should not be relied on to be, first of all, uh, reliable because there could be some error in it and then also applicable to your own personal situation. So please take a step back before you listen to something and act on it and consider your own personal situation and meet with a professional where applicable. Uh, review your own investor objectives, risk tolerance, your time horizon. And we all know that all investing involves risk and possible loss of capital. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Give Me Some Truth. And we hope that you can join us on a future episode.